Let's um, turn to our Bibles now and uh, let's look at our subject of reading and understanding the Bible. So let's, uh, let's pray as we come to do that. Heavenly Father, we ask now as we look at your word, we pray that you would speak to us and teach us things from it. Lord, whether they're things that we are reminded of or things that we learn new. But we ask, Lord, you give us hearts to respond and to believe what you say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, third in our series of looking at the Bible, how to read and understand it. And thank you to Jerry for doing our Bible reading for 1 Timothy earlier on. And that Bible reading there talks about the public reading of Scripture, the public reading of the Bible. Now, imagine a time when Bibles were very rare and extremely expensive. And it's about 30 years after Jesus went back to heaven. And the first part of the Bible was already written on, on scrolls. And it was kind of smaller versions of wallpaper. Imagine wallpaper rolls, slightly smaller versions of those. And uh, that's how the Bible was written in Hebrew and Aramaic, the Old Testament and the New Testament was being written down in Greek. And of course, they had to be copied by hand. And that, that was very expensive. So not many people had them. Not many people had a Bible uh, for themselves. Not many families would have a Bible and certainly wouldn't have Bibles that look like this, uh, that we can have in our hands or in our bags and so on. And they were very expensive, expensive, as I said. Now, parts of the New Testament by this time were being written. Possibly Mark's gospel was written by this time. Peter had told the man, John Mark, all about Jesus, and Mark had written it down for him. But again, copies of the Bible had to be written out by hand. Now, churches got occasional visits from the apostles, and they got very excited about that, because these were the very people who had been with Jesus and, and seen him for themselves, and they were eyewitnesses. And there was great excitement when the apostle came to visit the church. But of course, that couldn't happen too much. There was only 12 of them and the churches were growing all over the place. Uh, but also these fellows, these apostles would send letters to the churches. And some of these letters eventually became part of the New Testament, the, the part of the Bible about Jesus and after he came. And so we get the New Testament, which is partly the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and partly the letters that were written to the churches. Now, the letters that were written by the apostles to the churches gave advice. They were all based on what Jesus had said, uh, but they explained more at times, and they helped the new churches to put it into action, to put it into practice. Now, of course, all Christians, all of us should be hungry and excited. Young and old, we should be hungry and excited to read what God has said. Because think about it, when we pick up our Bibles, this is God's book to us. And we should be excited about that, and also we should be ready for action to learn how to follow Jesus. Now imagine those people, imagine those people who didn't have whole Bibles like we do, and imagine the letters from the Apostles and Gospel and the Gospels only just arriving, and it would be so exciting to get a copy of them, and to have them sent around the churches. Oh look, we've got a copy from, of a letter from the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church at Rome, and oh, we've got a copy here of Mark's Gospel, and so on. It was very exciting, and it's a very important reason why we had that Bible reading earlier on from 1 Timothy, because the Apostle Paul reminds a younger pastor there to give attention to the public reading of the Bible, because ordinary people didn't have a Bible of their own. Command and teach these things, it says. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love and faith and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. So it was a highlight to have the Bible read to you in a church service. 
But of course, we've got Bibles completed now. We can hear it read in church services. We can have them in books. We can put them in our bags, in our pockets even. We can have small ones that can go in the top pockets. Uh, I know Joel's got a little Bible that he take, took to school with him in his blazer, but now he's going to sixth form. He won't have a blazer, so I don't know what he's going to carry it in. But um, we can even have the Bible on our phones. And on a phone like this, we can have the whole Bible and lots of Christian books. We can get them quite cheaply. We can download them for free. We can listen to the Bible and uh, we can have it on audio as well. We have exactly what every Christian in the olden days would have longed for, would have been desperate for. And the question is, are we thankful? Are we thankful? And are we reading our Bibles as much as we can? Well, I'd like to encourage you to read a bit of the Bible every day, to read a bit of the Bible every day. Now, realistically, we can't read the Bible all the time, can we? We have to stop and let things sink in. Sometimes we have to read a bit of the Bible and just, it's wow, it's amazing. We just have to think about it and let it sink in. And we need to work. We need to go to school. We need to study. We need to read all sorts of books and articles. Now, sometimes we make excuses for not reading the Bible, but sometimes we genuinely can't read as much as we would want to. But my advice to all of us, whether we're a young Christian or older Christian, whether we're a child or an adult, is to read some of the Bible every day, even just a few verses. It is a discipline. That means it's something we have to work at. But if we think about it, it is always more of a privilege to read the Bible. It's always far more of a privilege than a duty, if we think about it, if we think about what we're doing. You can see in the picture on the screen there, there's a piece of bread. And Jesus said, and the, the Old Testament also says, that we need to live not simply on bread alone, but on the word of God. We need it. It's an important thing, but it's also a privilege. In the Old Testament, in Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra the priest brought the law. That's the first five books of the Bible. And Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And brought this, this set of books, numbers as well, before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women and others who could understand. So it's a long time being read out and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. They listened carefully. And this was just the first five books of the Bible. And we've got the, the whole of the Bible now with so much more to learn about God from it. And they were listening to the laws of God, the book of the law. Now we've got words about Jesus. We've got them in the New Testament. We've got words about Jesus and words of Jesus as well. So what even more of a privilege we have to read a bit of the Bible every day and to count it as a delight. Jesus has said in John 6, verse 63, the spirit gives life, the flesh, ordinary flesh counts for nothing ultimately. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. They're full of the spirit and life. So it is so important to read a bit of the Bible every, every day. Let me encourage you to do that. Now, even when people had just parts of the Old Testament, they described it as their delight to read it and to think about it in Psalm 119, verse 47. It says, therefore, I delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. What an amazing thing is that even when the first few books of the Bible were written, they were delighted in and they were longed for. God's word is so precious. So let me encourage you again to read a bit of the Bible every day. Before we open our Bibles, think about it. This is God speaking to me. This is good for me. This is good for my family. This is good for my children, that I am reading the words of God. And think why. 
And if we do think why we're opening and reading our Bibles, it will not be a guilt trip, oh, I've got to read it again, but it will be something that will become a delight. So let's think about why we need to read the Bible, not just a duty, but a delight because of who the book is from and the good it can do for us. Now, the most important time to read the Bible is when you don't feel like it. The most important time is when you don't feel like it. And that's one of those days when we need to push ourselves a little, just to read even just a few verses, just like taking a bit of medicine when you're feeling unwell, hoping and praying that your appetite will get back. But even if you just read a few verses and think about them, that is kind of a minimum thing that we need to do each day. Maybe our appetite for the Bible will come back quicker than we think, but it's important. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, it says there, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. And so it's important to, to think, to remember the Lord and to read the Bible each day so that we can take who the Lord is into our thinking for that day. Losing our edge as Christians, getting off track often doesn't happen quickly. It often starts with a gradual sliding, a gradual forgetting to acknowledge God and thank God and to read his word. Two symptoms are neglecting Bible reading and neglecting prayer. So therefore, read a bit of the Bible every day. Let me encourage you to do that. Now, let me encourage you also to read all of the Bible. Now, that might sound a bit daunting. Read all the Bible, such a big book. Let me encourage you to do it. Whether it takes a year or two years or three years, read all the Bible. Now, did you know that you could read the whole of the Bible in a year if you read 3.2 chapters a day? 3.2 chapters a day, you can get through the whole Bible. Uh, so that's a challenge for us. So you could read three and a half or four chapters a day and, and get through it quicker. But um, you can do it in a whole year if you read it at that rate. Let me encourage you to get a landscape view of the whole of the Bible, not just a small corner of it, not just a piece of it. You can see on the screen there, we've got the landscape view there. We've got some little pieces from that landscape view. Sometimes we focus on the, the little bits that we find our favorites, the little bits that we find easy to understand, but then we don't get the whole picture. We don't see where those pieces are in the whole picture. So let me encourage you to get a landscape view by reading the whole Bible. Now, when my children, and I'm speaking to you younger ones here, it's hard to read the whole Bible. It's such a big book, and maybe our reading speed isn't up to scratch yet, but we're getting there slowly, but we're getting there. But we can read bits from all the Bible, from the Old Testament, the New Testament, from the Psalms, and so on. With the help of your mum and dad, try to read bits of the whole Bible so you get the, the whole picture in your head from a young age. But then certainly as we get older, as we are able to read more quickly and so on, we should definitely, definitely plan to read through the whole Bible. Now, there are plenty of Bible guides and programs. You can download them, buy them in book form, all sorts, that can help you read through the whole Bible. And Bible notes are excellent, like Daily Bread, Every Day with Jesus, the Spurgeon's Bible Reading Notes, and things like that. There's lots of helps. The Good Book Company uh, does uh, Bible reading plans and notes for children, uh, for families, and for young people, as well as adults. So I'd encourage you to, to use those. But I would say that my recommendation, personal recommendation, is to use them as supplements, not as your main Bible reading. Use them as ways to get into Bible reading or maybe in those five minutes in your lunch break or, or at the end of the day when you're a bit tired. But don't use it as your main Bible reading diet. If we use just Bible notes, then we're always learning through other people's thoughts. It's really good. And I found this over the years just to have time with the Lord, just you, his words and a notebook, maybe 
the pencil pen and just learn to discover directly from him to read the bible let it sink into your own heart and mind so use bible reading notes or supplements or maybe to get your day off to a good go good start and so on or or in the five minute lunch break that you have or the the five minutes you have in your lunch break hopefully you have more than five minute lunch break but ultimately i really encourage you to just sit before god prayerfully with his word open and read it through and uh, take notes and prayerful notes of what it says now the simplest way i found to read through the whole bible simplest way i found is to have two bookmarks one in the old testament one in the new testament start at genesis and start at matthew and read maybe say three chapters in the old testament and a chapter or two in the new testament and read through read through when you finish the old testament with that marker go back to the beginning when you finish with your marker in the new testament go back to the beginning of matthew and just keep reading through it'll take more than a year to read through the whole bible even if you read 3.2 chapters a day of course because you're reading a bit from the old and a bit from the new um and uh, you want to maybe go at a different pace a different pace uh, you'll read through the new testament more times than you read through the old testament and so on but i really encourage you to do that it's uh, amazing when you do so how you see the links between the old testament and the new testament how you see it all ties up and each time you read through the bible you'll notice new things that you never noticed before or things maybe that, that were there but you understand them in a deeper way as you read it through again and again over the years and you see all the links remember psalm 119 verse 160 referring to god's words all your words are true so it's good to read all the bible now this year or so it'll take more than a year um because i'm i'm kind of reading some things more than uh, spending more time in some parts of the bible than others but uh, this time reading through the bible i'm reading from genesis to revelation um and uh, going through that way and that's a, a good a good challenge to do as well but i also still like to re keep reading the gospels over and over so i'm doing doing that too another tip might be that it'd be good for some of us to find a reading partner someone that you can say look i want to read through the whole bible would you do it with me not necessarily reading at the same time but so that you can say where have you got up to and encourage each other and and uh, also chat about what you've read and maybe note down any questions work through questions that you come up with so for some people to help you it might be good to to find a, a reading partner now think of the bible like doing a jigsaw puzzle i know some of you like doing jigsaw puzzles now when you do your jigsaw puzzle usually you find the corners you get the straight pieces in place you build the framework and then you gradually fill in the middle and it's the same with the bible as we read through the bible we won't understand it all we won't get the whole picture to start with but we can get the corner pieces in place about how jesus came and died for us and rose again how we need to repent and believe in him how that one day jesus is coming again and we need to live for him in these lives and share the gospel with others until jesus returns and so we get the corner pieces in place then we get the straight pieces in place the things that become more familiar and then we start as we keep reading the bible to put the other pieces in place and eventually we will start to fill in the middle and get the whole picture so i'd encourage you to think of the bible like a jigsaw and sometimes we need to be patient with ourselves sometimes it'll take a while to to get the piece in place where does that go where does this go but eventually you'll get there now the next thing is this the bible means what god thinks not what i necessarily think god meant definite things when he inspired the bible when those writers wrote it out under the inspiration of the spirit therefore it's not up to me to decide what i think but it, it means i need to dig to find out what god meant when he inspired that writing god means 
meant things. Therefore, the Bible means what God thinks, not simply, it's not simply up to me to decide what it means. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, it talks about the fact that God is not human like us. He doesn't lie. He doesn't change his mind like we do. He speaks and he acts. He, he keeps his promises. Isaiah 55, verse 11. My word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So God has a purpose in sending out his word. It's, it's God's word, and therefore it means what God thinks. So the Bible is not open to interpretation. God meant something, and I need to be careful to grasp it and try to understand it. Now, there's a richness in the Bible, of course, and there are depths and sometimes several meanings or nuances to words. And so that's, that's something there that we need to take on board, but they will not be contradictory. It's not open to interpretation. The Bible is not open in that way. And we need to discover what God, we need to dig to see what God intended. And so therefore, to really get to study the Bible, we need to be prepared to put some work into it. Now, of course, there are some of the basics. The fundamentals are very clear, like the corners of the jigsaw puzzle, and they're easier to find. And we all need to make sure that we've got a working knowledge of those. And it's a bit like this to change the image. It's a bit like God has put some of the nuggets of gold on the surface. And we, we see, oh, yeah, I can see that. All that, yeah. And we can pick them up and we can grasp them straight away and appreciate them straight away. But then there are some that are deeper down in the soil. We have to put the fork in, put the spade in and dig deeper. There are treasures hidden more deeply. And we have to dig hard and think hard and, and sweat a little to discover them. And it, but it's exciting to do that. It's wonderful to do this digging work of deeper study. Now, of course, we need, do need to be patient in some areas. Some subjects take a lot of thought and digging. And so as, as maturing Christians, we find that when we were younger, we had maybe a certain understanding of a scripture, how to apply it. And as we get a bit older, we say, well, I can see a bit more light now. I've read a bit more in the Old Testament. I can see the, the bigger picture. I read a bit more of the epistles and I can see the bigger picture. So sometimes we need to be careful. The basics are clear. There's no doubt about those. But some of the issues, we need to be patient, patient with ourselves. It's very easy to jump on the bandwagon, if you like, and to follow the loudest opinion, uh, but never to really think through things for ourselves. I tend to respect someone who wrestles with subjects and are honest about the difficult digging that they're doing and the struggle that they're having, rather than someone who claims to have it all sorted and everything tied up. That would make me a little bit suspicious. Even the Apostle Peter found some of Paul's teachings hard to understand. This is an amazing admission, admission by the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3.16. And it shows that we need to have humility. He writes about Paul's writing. He writes in the same, the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So. We need to have a bit of humility, recognising sometimes it'll take us a good while to really grasp some of those secondary subjects and issues. Uh, so we need to have patience and determination. Now, there's lots more we could say about studying the Bible. We haven't got time to do it now. But I just want to mention one very important clue to studying the Bible, and that is context. Context. So often to get the main point of a part of the Bible, whether it's a parable or uh, something in the Old Testament, uh, a story in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament, in the epistles, sometimes it can be as simple as reading a few verses before and a few verses after 
that will help us to understand what the passage is saying. Your section might start therefore, and there's a lot of therefores in the Bible, so we need to look at what comes before the therefore. And we came up with this little saying here, therefore. Well, look at what was written before, and you'll understand what the therefore was there for. So make sure you read a little bit before, and therefore you'll understand what the therefore was there for. And we could say a lot more. But each part of the Bible is set in a chapter, in a book, in the Old Testament, or the New Testament, and in the whole. And the more we understand of the context, the better we'll understand those particular verses that we're studying. Now, the Bible is a big book. And one of the amazing things is it's full of structure. Some religious writings, non-Christian religious writings, are very haphazard, uh, kind of all over the place. And I, I won't mention any, any names now, but the Bible is not haphazard. And seeing the structure and the patterns in the Bible is fascinating and illuminating. But we have to do some careful thinking to put in the effort to discover those. Just very briefly, one example. I was reminded recently how that Matthew's Gospel has five sets of teaching with stories of what Jesus did in between. Mountains are also important in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, if you know the Old Testament, you can see how Matthew is seeing Jesus as the new Moses. Those first five books of the Bible written by Moses, and Jesus is coming in as the, the new Moses, the Moses that Moses predicted as the prophet to come. And, and the Gospel is arranged in that way to remind us of those first five books of the Bible. Now, a couple of book recommendations. Um, and I know that it, it, you're good. Uh, you've had, had good book uh, recommendations in the past from Andrew and so on. Uh, and hopefully you've taken up those opportunities. But there's a couple of books here I'd like to recommend to you to get the landscape of the Bible. First one is called The Symphony of Scripture by Mark Strom. And the second is The Gospel and Kingdom by Graham Goldsworthy. If you want more details about these books, but I'd really recommend these to you to help you build the context and get the landscape view of of the Bible. Well, moving on, um, we're going to the next point four, that Jesus is the key to the Bible. Every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, is ultimately about Jesus. The New Testament is, of course, the good news about Jesus and how he came, how his church grew and developed in the Acts of the Apostles, how we can be disciples of Jesus. The epistles teach us more about that. But also every part of the Old Testament predicts and points us to Jesus. In Luke chapter 24, 25, Jesus is speaking to those two disciples on the way to Emmaus. And he's speaking to them. He says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And so the Lord goes through the whole of the Old Testament, basically showing how it pointed and predicted his coming. And uh, another passage in 1 Peter chapter 1, 10 to 12, if you'd like to take note of that, 1 Peter chapter 1, 10 to 12. But wherever we're reading in the Old Testament, we need to ask this question, how does this passage, how does this passage prepare or predict and point me to Jesus? And it's fascinating and wonderful to, to see how it does. Now, in the New Testament, it's obvious that uh, we're reading about Jesus there. But again, we can ask, how does this passage about Jesus tie in with the Old Testament? How does it fulfill Old Testament promises? And we see that Jesus is the key that holds together the whole of the Bible. And in that way, we can see clearly and discover that the Bible is just one book 
ultimately about Jesus. It's a library of 66 individual parts, individual books, but ultimately it's one book. And the person, the theme that ties it all together is the person and the theme of Jesus. So it's, it's fantastic. So therefore, the Bible is a book to get to know Jesus. And that makes it wonderful because we're Jesus' apprentices, aren't we? For a Christian, we're a disciple of Jesus. We're one of his apprentices. We're training under his leadership, under his mastership. And that is exciting. And the whole book is useful for our training and development. As 2, 2 Timothy says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is a useful book, very useful to us. So be excited about it, read it. God's book is the way that we can get to know God. And that's very important. You know, it's not about simply filling our minds with knowledge, facts and figures. It's not simply about cold facts, but it's about knowing Jesus. It's the Bible is the, the way that we can get to know God. And eternal life is a relationship with God through Jesus. As Jesus said in John 17, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So it's all ultimately to get to know God, to get to know Jesus. So this book, the Bible, is about our Lord and Saviour. It is him speaking to us, the one who loved us, and the one whom now we love. So in that sense, the Bible is a letter of love. It's a book of love as well as all the other parts, aspects to it for us. Then lastly, we need to read the Bible responsively. We need to read the Bible responsively. You can see the, the spring there in the middle picture. And see if this part, if this click works next, let's see what happens. Yes, there we go. The spring springs to life, spring springs out. And that's how we need to listen to the Bible. That's how we need to read the Bible. We need to read it responsibly to be ready to do something about it. Studying, reading the Bible for a disciple of Jesus should never be just an academic exercise. It's a head and heart activity. It's how can I follow Jesus better? How can I live for you better? That's what it should be. It's our training manual from Jesus to help us to live a godly life in victory and joy. This book is to help us to gain victory over sin and to get to know God better in that and to know God's joy. So it's a good reason to read it. We should be craving for more, more and more. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we're told to be like newborn babies that crave pure spiritual milk so that you might grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Now, it's hard to feed too much on the Bible. It's hard to overdose on the Bible. But we will never be spiritually fit if we don't exercise on what we feed on. We must listen, read and listen to it responsibly. We need to be ready for action like this coiled spring. We need to be ready for action. And we need to make sure that we read, think about it. What do I have to do? Lord, what are you telling me? And then with his help, pray about it and go and do it. And as we do that, our spiritual muscles will be strengthened. We'll get, we will get spiritually fit. The wise man builds his house on the rock. You see a picture on the rock, of the rock there. The wise man builds his house on the rock by putting into practice what Jesus says, not, not the foolish person who builds on the sand, who does nothing about it. And each day, if you think about it, is a, a learning and a training experience with Jesus as we seek to practice what we've read in the Bible. And that's something wonderful that we can be involved in each day. Now, next week, uh, we're going to explore more about the Bible and guidance. We're going to look at guidance for the big decisions of life, like getting married, uh, choosing a career, 
um, ordinary decisions that we take in every day of our lives. So we're going to look at uh, guidance next week and we're going to uh, finish our series in the Bible at that point. But from today, just to recap, I really encourage you to read a bit of the Bible every single day, even when you don't feel like it. And that's often the most important time to read even a little bit of the Bible each day. Let me encourage you to read all the Bible, whether it takes you one year or two years or three, three years, get the big picture. Practice, start the discipline of reading through the Bible, whatever method you use to do that. Let me also encourage you to think that the Bible means what God thinks. It's not open to interpretation. It's not open to simply what I think. Therefore, we have to dig and discover. We have to see the context, see the patterns, see how it holds together. And we need to dig into to understand those important truths in, in the Bible. So it, it isn't open to, to interpretation. The Bible means what God thinks. And therefore, one of the exciting things about reading the Bible is getting to know the mind of God, the creator of the universe, our Savior. It's a wonderful thing to think about. And then also we see that the Bible is, well, the key to the Bible is Jesus. He's the one who holds it together as one book. And that's another exciting fact about, about the Bible. Understanding it all and knowing him is the goal. And then the last thing from this morning is this, to read the Bible responsibly. It's the only wise thing to do, and it's the only way to get spiritually fit, to see what it says and seek to put it into action. So should we pray? And then we'll, we'll sing our, our final song together. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you'd help us to read a bit of the Bible every day. We do pray, Lord, you'd help us to read all the Bible, get, to, get familiar with all of your word. We pray, Lord God, you'd help us to remember that the Bible is what you think and therefore help us to dig into it, to understand it better and better. Lord, thank you that Jesus is the key. Our Saviour is the key to understand the whole Bible. And therefore, getting to know Jesus is the way in to know you, Heavenly Father, and to know your word. So please help us to be excited about that and to see it as a great privilege to get to know Jesus and understand how he ties the whole Bible together. And Father, we also pray you'd help us to listen to the Bible ready for action, like a coiled spring, ready to, to do what you say. Lord, that we might be willing to change, willing to respond to what you challenge us with. So Lord, make us responsive to your word. And for those of us who are not yet Christians listening to this, we pray, Father, you'd help that dear person to recognize that Jesus is that savior that they need and that they would respond in repentance and faith to trust in him, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And those of us who are already saved, Lord, help us to appreciate this is your book, to love you, love your word, and to follow it with great attention. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.